Welcome. You are listening to a sermon presented at the First Church of Christ in Elkins, West Virginia. This message is given by pastor and teacher Jason Brandon. Jason will be selecting passages from the Word of God and showing us how to apply God's Word in our lives today. He will also be showing us why we need Jesus. How can faith, God, and the Bible have more influence in your daily life? What is God saying to us today? For this and more, stay tuned. We are in Philippians chapter 2 this morning. So, you know that eight years ago I moved here from southern Illinois. Um, To describe the state of the churches in southern Illinois, if you threw a rock, you could hit a church of Christ or a Christian church. Uh, The Restoration Movement, there's a lot of our churches in southern Illinois. In Murfreesboro, which was a city about the size of Elkins, we had three of our churches. And they were all pretty healthy, too. It's not like they were little, tiny, 20-person churches. Uh, in a, in a one-hour drive from where we lived, I don't know how many there were, 30? There were a lot. And, and so I say, uh, it may, it, the problem I had, more than once I would invite somebody to church and find out not only did they already go to church, but they went to one of our churches, um, and, I, and, that, and I, it sounds funny, but that, that should have encouraged me. I think in my youth it discouraged me a bit that I, I just felt like we were stepping on each other's toes. And, and I felt that the region maybe was oversaturated by churches, but hang on before you say... Because the goal is to get 100% church attendance, right? I mean, nothing would make me happier than if every single person in Elkins went to church. That would be a victory condition. I think the reason it discouraged me was I knew the rest of the world wasn't like that. And I knew that there were vast swathes of of America that didn't have any restoration movement churches in it. And we were all clumped in certain parts. I, I've got on my, when I, when I moved here, I asked Mark for a road map to, a, a, a map of West Virginia. And I put it on the bulletin board in the office and I put thumbtacks where all of our churches are. Color, color-coded because I'm that level of you're going to say OCD. I don't think I'm OCD, but in this case, um, ba- the color's based upon how big the churches were. And we don't have a lot. The, all, why are all the restoration? You can tell that the other states kind of look at us as a missionary state, and then they quit 10 miles into the border. And they're just like, never mind, it's not worth it. Because all of our the restoration movement churches are right within like 10 miles of the edge of the state, except for Elkins, by and large. Um, and that wasn't it. It was one of the jo- one of the joys of coming out here was that feeling of this ministry is vital. Now, hear me. On the one hand, I absolutely believe the restoration movement. We're not the only Christians. We're Christians only. So let me let me be very clear that I'm not saying there are no other Christians if they're not restoration churches. On the other hand, I really stand behind the doctrine of the restoration movement, where the Bible speaks. We speak. And where the Bible is silent, we are silent. And the reason I like our church is because I think we're Bible only. We're not Lutherans or Baptists or Methodists, because those aren't phrases I see in the Bible. I just see Christians. And so I, I, I stand behind the teachings of our—we're not even a denomination. We're, we're, a, we're the restoration movement. We're a fellowship of churches that agree— that the goal is to be, we don't consider the word primitive an insult. We are primitive Christianity. That's the goal. We want to be primitive Christianity. 
Now, having said all of this, there is something that I miss about having all those other churches in southern Illinois. I enjoyed going. We would have area men's meetings once a month. All the guys would get together at different churches on like a Tuesday night, and different churches would host these celebrations, and hundreds of guys would show up for these, and we'd have a sermon and sing songs and eat supper together. I enjoyed going to the different Bible colleges and, and my, my elders would get frustrated with me because we'd go to St. Louis Christian College and they'd have to honk the horn to get me back in the car because I knew everybody and I enjoyed that. And I, I enjoyed seeing all these, prof- I didn't even go to St. Louis Christian College. I enjoyed all these friends that were preachers and elders and churches and professors. And I think that's what heaven is going to be like. I think heaven is going to be where I don't have to get back in the car. Because I know everybody. And that's one of the things I love about the church is that it is a family. And these are, are my friends. When I, when I got married, I had a friend that was very kind of offended that he wasn't asked to be in, that I didn't ask him to be in the wedding party. But in that moment, I really wanted my Christian friends to stand beside me because. Those are relationships that are eternal. They will last. Now, my relationship is with God first and foremost. My best man in my wedding, he died six months after the wedding. Um, I'll see him again. We went to Bible college together. Um, I, uh, I had, when I had my radio show in, in Urbana, I had a co-host named Eric, and Eric died a few years later as well. And uh, talking with a common friend of ours, Sometime later, Jace made the comment. He said, you know, the best part is we'll see him later. He said, it was, only a, it was only a see you later. It was not a goodbye. And that is what I love about the church. That this, you are, we serve together. And in serving together, sometimes we have to say see you later. Whether we move away or, or whether we move on. But it's not, it's not goodbye. And that's one, it's one of the... I, I really love the church. You guys, I appreciate that now, eight years now, almost, um, you've let me stay here. And I know you could have found more eloquent preachers. Um, you could have found one who wears shoes a little more than I, anybody wears shoes more than I do. Um, you could have found someone more dignified. Uh, you, could, you could have found someone who doesn't stick to their notes quite, quite so strongly. Um, who's a better speaker? Uh, but you know, I you know what I I love the church, and I'm going to challenge that. I'm not sure you're going to find someone that loves God's flock more than I do. Um, I love it. Uh, it is His plan. It is His only plan. There is no plan B. It is His plan for His people. His it is His bride. It is salvation. We're it. <laughs> And I'm, and I'm glad for that. That, that. That's not discouraging to me. The church, I, while I love the idea of wouldn't it be neat if the entire city of Elkins became Christian and everybody went to church, realistically, when I read the Bible, if I take Jesus' words, small is the gate and narrow the way that leads to life and few that find it, I just have to recognize that's not going to happen. I want it. I'm going to fight for it. Just like I'm going to fight for being Christ-like and perfect in my life, knowing I'll never be perfect. But the fight is worth it. I'm still going to fight for the, for the growth of God's church. Oh, I wish I could infect you. I, I wish I could, could infect people with my love of the church because I think the church is a joy. 
Um, uh, it's, it's why I'm here. It's why I just consider it, for all the stress that, that men, every job has stress, right? For all the stress that ministry can bring on someone, I still wouldn't trade it because I get to work for the church. I get to work for the bride of Christ, and I'm very grateful that you let me do that. Um, I, I pray that you love the church. And I'd like to talk about that today as we're in, as we're in the book of Philippians. Um, I, want, I want to read, and we're not going to, we're not going to, we're just going to look at a few verses and talk about the joy. Philippians is a book about joy. I want to talk about the joy that comes from being a part of the church of Christ and what we do with that. So with that, let's look at Philippians chapter 2. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. We'll just pause there. In other words, if you have any of these things, from being a Christian. So there are four, I've probably said this before, there are four Greek words for if. Don't glaze over. I think this is kind of neat. And I don't think it's just me being nerdy. They have four words for if. There is an if, and let's assume for the sake of argument, it's true. Um, if, if Congress has 100 members, if the Senate has 100 members. Well, the Senate does have 100 members, but you could, start, you could do it that way. If, and let's assume for the sake of argument, it's not true. If the Senate had 150 members, that's not true, but we could finish that sentence, right? Three, if, and maybe one day it will be true, but it's not true now, but maybe one day. Um, if, if COVID ever goes away, I hope that that happens completely, right? And the fourth if is this just weird realm of if there's life on other planets kind of thing. of Maybe, maybe not, who knows? I mean, we may never know. And, and how those four ifs play out actually is kind of a big... Because it tells you where the writer is going with this. And the reason this matters then, that first if is... First, second, third, fourth class conditional sentences. It's that first if that applies here if and let's assume for the sake of argument this is true if you have these things and you do you should in fact you could translate this word with the word since and it would work just perfectly since you have encouragement from being united with christ since you have comfort from his love fellowship with the spirit tenderness and compassion do you have Encouragement from being united in his love? You should. That's, if you have this, and you should, that's, that's how this is supposed to work. How, how would we know? And, and Paul answers this. Since you have all these, then make his joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. If the church is valuable to you, prove it. Um, and, and, and you get what I mean. So 
I'm building at, at the Wood Tech. I have been for the last year working on some bookshelves. Um, they are very precise in their measurements. They are 28 and a half inches wide. And the reason they are 28 and a half inches wide is because a comic book long box is 28 inches wide. And I know that Mike will remember carrying those <laughs> when I moved here. And Mike, after the 10th one, I think he said, what are in these? And when I said comic books, the, I thought he was going to drop them. That he had realized that he had hauled in heavy box after heavy box after heavy box of nothing but comic books. Um, I, there is not a person in this church that doesn't know that that's my hobby. Brian has teased me on more than one occasion. He says, at this point, we're just waiting on when you're going to mention it in a sermon. <laughs> Mondays are my day off. If, you need, if, if there's an emergency and I'm not answering my phone, you can probably call Four Horsemen Comics in Morgantown Mall, and that's where I am on many, many, many Mondays. Um, you know that, it's, that I enjoy them. You know that because I enjoy talking about them because I spend money on them, because I've literally made custom bookshelves to accommodate the collection. It's a fun, innocent hobby. It's garbage. When I die, they're going to, you know, maybe my daughter will be able to sell them off for, for, for something. Maybe maybe there'll be a house fire someday, and they'll be gone up in a puff of smoke. They're garbage. They're, just, they're, they're an escape. They don't, they don't matter. But they matter to me in the moment, right? They're my hobby. You have, I, we had, I've heard about train spotting as a hobby, but in southern Illinois I had an elder named John, and I found out what train spotting is. And that, that guy was into it. That guy would plan vacations around where he could park his car and watch a train go by. And, that tra- and, and, and kept track of those figures and talked with other train spotters around the country about what trains were passing through at what times and what places. And he would. He would drag his wife out, and they'd, they'd picnic, and they'd get there an hour earlier and wait for that train to go by. Not my thing, and I don't get it, but I love that he loved it. <laughs> you think of these hobbies that we get into, baseball or, or any, any of these other hobbies, you can tell someone's priorities by where they put their effort their money, their time, what they like to talk about. If it takes my time and my money and my attention and my conversation, it must be important to me. So then i got to ask myself the question, how much money and time and, and focus does the church take? Because there's no question that the church is so important. Again, I want to say that my comic books are garbage. This matters. This is... The bride of Christ is everything. This is, this is God's plan of salvation for the world, and there's no plan B. And this is eternal. As I said, the, my friends that have passed on, my fellow church members that have passed on, I'll see them again. This, this relationship that we have with each other, being united together, is an eternal relationship. Eternal under Christ. I... I want my life to show how important Jesus is, how important his bride is. You know, it's one of the reasons that I want to make sure that my checkbook shows that however much I spend on comic books, I put more in the offering plate. Because I never want to have anybody say, 
those, those garbage pieces of paper clearly matter to you more than, more than God's house does. I couldn't live myself <laughs> knowing that my priorities were that far out of whack. Paul says that if you find the church, the unity that comes from being a Christian, if you find the church valuable, then you will seek further unity. You will be like-minded. You will be united together as, as the church. And he gives a few ways that plays out, and we talked about that even last week. We will be united in mind and thought, united in love, united in spirit, united in purpose, united in the church. If we find the church valuable, and so we ask that question, what, what do we think? Do we find God's church valuable? And again, let me be very clear. The church is the people. It's not the building. It's not the preacher. The sermons are, I don't want to say they're irrelevant, making me sound like I don't. But you could have church without me. If I was sick one Sunday morning, we could get, you guys could gather together without me. You could sing songs. The el- somebody, we've got some people here that know how to preach. Somebody might wing it. And on the other hand, they might say, you know what? It's, it's the, you know, we'll sing the songs. We'll pray together. We'll go through announcements and maybe we'll go home early. And that would still be the church because we united. We're the church. The church isn't the order of service. It's not, it's not the offering plate. It's not the building. Church is the people of God. Do, do we recognize that the mission of the church is, is important? And, and, and how important is it? Um, are we willing to put our time, our money, our focus into the bride of Christ? And so, picking up from there then, in verse 3. Paul says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. If, if we are united as a church, we will be able to achieve the goal of the church. Okay, so... What's the goal? Well, we said that in verse 5. Our attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. That's the goal. It's the goal of the church. It's the goal of the individual Christian. Our goal is to grow to look like Christ. If we get that down, the rest falls, everything, everything else is minor and falls into place. If we miss that, nothing else will go right. We want to bring non-Christians to come to know him and Christians to know him better and to be like him. At the First Church of Christ, we would see Jesus. and We would see him in the lives of our members, in the lives of, our, of those who attend church here. So let us be united in Christ-like character. And we'll begin with the fact that Jesus is love. Let us be loving. He was the very picture of love. Christ is, is, was self-sacrificing and humble. The heir of heaven walked as a humble carpenter. And Paul points that out, that he, that he was the example of humility, and we are to be like him. And, and that's not a little tack on to the side of, well, if I get everything else down, maybe I can work on humility. Uh, when, we get a, you know, when I get around to it, Maybe I can, 
something when everything else is done. No, humility matters. It's the goal of the church, the goal of every Christian to be like Jesus. That's what the word Christian means, to be one like Christ. Since you take value in unity, says Paul, uh, you will be Christ-like, humble-minded like he was. This is where it's so hard being an American. (laughs) We live in a super selfish society. Um, I, I am amazed, saddened, that a country that, unlike almost any other country in the world, was really founded on Christian principles. That was the goal. I mean, people aren't perfect. But the pilgrims came over here because they said, we want to follow the dictates of the Bible and not just what someone tells us the Bible says, and maybe isn't doing a good job themselves. Um, Our founding fathers, um, man, if you read the words of George Washington uh, and and what he said about following the Bible and what will happen when we don't, um, these these men understood, our, our, our founding fathers understood the place of Christ, and yet for such a Christian beginning, we're not a Christian country. We're, we're reading through my Sunday school class. We're reading through the book of Judges. And I really feel that the U.S. is playing out some of the book of Judges. Judges is very Judges can be summed up with, when the judge died and they weren't being watched, Israel went back to being evil. And then God allowed them to be punished. And then after they'd been punished long enough, they said, oops, we messed up. Can you save us? And a new judge comes along. And saves them. And they follow God until they're not being watched by that parent. And then when that parent passes away, judge, parent, they go back to doing their own thing. Part of that is because every generation has to learn who, it, what, who God is and why it's worth following him. And you can't just assume that righteousness is inherited by the next generation. Part of it also is the definition of punishment. Israel was prime real estate. All these other nations, Midianites and Amalekites and all these other people, wanted Israel. And God said, if you follow me, I won't let them in. But if you quit following me, I'll take my hands off, and what happens, happens. And what happens is they always got conquered. This nation started out, I think, very Christian on the whole. I really do. I think that you can't read through history books and and see otherwise. But as the going got easy, and I think that because of Christian principles, we became a very prosperous nation. But then prosperity got to our heads, and we thought, oh, we don't need God anymore, and here we are. Um, and so I think times are, are harder these days. That doesn't mean I think everything's bad. That doesn't mean I think that all the people in America are bad. I just think that, I mean, just percentages. Most of the country used to go to church. Most of the country doesn't now. And I think many of our problems, not all, but I think many of our problems, if we, ha- if we were more Christ-like, citizen by citizen, I think that a lot of our problems would go away. But I think this is the cycle of history. We see it in the Bible. Maybe the U.S. will hit a point where we cry out to God for help and and we will turn back to him. To preach Christ-like, all of that was to say that we are such a selfish, self-focused nation these days. As a people, um, we don't get humility. Um, we We don't get what it means to treat others better than yourself. Not because they are. The Bible doesn't say other people are better than you. It says treat other people like they're better than you. Um, 
we, we want to preach Christ-like humility, but it goes against our culture. It's difficult. But if we want that relationship with God, we have to draw near to Christ Jesus and be like Him. I'm going to read you from... I'm, I'm, the NIV... I use the NIV study Bible because it's easy to get hold of. Most people have the NIV. It's easy to put on screen. It's not my favorite translation. I have nothing against it. It's, it's just... It's very functional. I take the footnotes at the study Bible with a grain of salt, but I think they nailed it on this one. In Paul's teachings, this personal union is the basic reality of salvation. To be in Christ is to be saved. It is to be an intimate personal relationship with Christ the Savior. I think they got that one right. Unity, for Paul, to be united to the church is to be united to Christ. And therein lies salvation. And again, we're not picking one church over another. I'm not saying that only in the Restoration Movement are we Christians. We're not, we're not teaching that we're the, you know, we're the only, only church. I, I believe in the church. And I think, all, I, I hope, all churches are trying to follow the Bible, um, I think due to human tradition, some bad, tradi- some bad practices, have, some incorrect practices have, have worked their way into many of the denominations. Uh, and that's why we're non-denominational. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. This is what it means to be Christ-like. To be united to the character of Christ. We have to be like him. That's not optional. And I want to read again then verse 4. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. All of this. All of what? Being in harmony with one another. It clears the way for ministry. What is the number one thing that keeps the church from being effective? Well, obstacles. And you're going to say, well, yeah, that's... Right? Every, everything in life, if, if there's something in the way, it's an obstacle, Jason. So what obstacles? Um, Jesus says that the gates of hell won't prevail against his church. So if it's not hell, and it's not Satan holding us back, what's holding us back? And I think the obvious answer is we, we are. When... When we can't agree on the goal of the church, when we can't agree on our job, we are what's holding back the church. Our goal is to be like Jesus. Maybe we don't even have that down yet. Um, hopefully I don't need to cover any longer why we need to be Christ-like. So if that's our goal, we ask the question, what is, what is the goal of Christ? If our goal is to be like Christ, what's Christ's goal? Christ's goal is to minister to people. We look at not just his death on the cross, but we look at his life of ministry. How is he going to minister today? He's going to do that through you and through me, through his church, uh, if we allow ourselves to be led by him, to be his hands and his feet. You know, or we could go home and forget about it. A lot of people do that on Sundays. They come to church, they get the pat on the back, they're told to keep up the good work. It's, it's a bit of a pick-me-up for the week. I must be a good person. I went to church on Sunday morning. Go back to the way I wanted, you know, go back to being non-Christian for the other six and a half days in a week. 
come back in on Sunday morning and tell myself I'm a good person. A lot of the country does that. I mean, most of the country doesn't go to church, and a lot of the people that do go to church, that's it's just a mental thing that they do once a week as a, as a ritual. Ministry is in the hands of all Christians. It has to be. How do we minister to others? Well, I think this is a great beginning. Consider others better than yourselves. If you do that, you will minister to them. We would call that service. And there's a reason that Christians are called servants of Christ. Servants, servants serve their master. The, we're called to serve others. Not, not because they are better than us. Don't, don't spiral into depression of everybody's better than you. But we should treat them better. Because when they see the lowly servant Jesus Christ in our lives, they will come to know him. And they must see Jesus in our lives because, man, I don't... I love this book. It's, it's, it's amazing. I base my life upon it. If I'm getting something wrong, call me on it. If it's... If I do something wrong, you're, you, please, you can tell me, Jason, that doesn't seem very biblical. I don't expect those people to follow this book. That's ridiculous. Why would they? This is my foundation. I don't expect non-Christians to follow this book, and I don't try to argue from this book with non-Christians. That's just stupid. Well, the Bible says you shouldn't do this, but if they don't believe in the Bible, what a waste of time that argument is. So in my life, I want to show why following this book is amazing. Because, you know, it, that statement's been used a lot, but I'm probably the only book that'll, Bible that a lot of people are going to read. And so I want to be biblical. And, and when they see, Jason follows this book, and look at how his life is going. Look at how, look at what peace he has. Look at what joy. Look at, look at, look at the fact that he's the person that I like to spend my time with and I feel better about my life when I'm around. If I can act Christ-like, they will come to this book. But they're not going to come to this book first until I show them why. This is how Jesus lived, in in humility. And that's why we need to live in humility as well. It shows love. And and I know, it's it's tough. It is tough being a Christian. It is really tough being Christ-like. It... I hate that the U.S. is kind of almost an antithetical culture to Christianity, that, that to live Christ-like is to just live so opposite of what our world these days says we should live, although it does make it stand out more. Maybe, maybe I should be grateful for that. Being Christ-like really stands out. Maybe that's a good thing. It's not easy to put others before yourselves and love the un- people that we would on our own think are very unlovable. Love is difficult. Because in the U.S. culture, it's all about me, 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 me. But love is when it's not about me, but it's about someone else. The key to joy is not looking at yourself, but serving others. Christ taught us that. Don't, don't live for yourself. Find me any Hollywood celebrities that find fulfillment in riches and selfishness. You can't do it. Now, there's a reason that most of Hollywood's in counseling and on various anxiety drugs. That's not where, that, that's not where joy is. 
The true obstacle of unity is not the difference of opinion, but the true obstacle of unity is selfishness. We fall apart when we're not united. When we put others first, as Christ gave of himself, then we minister to others, and we are fulfilling God's plan for us, and we will have that that joy, that contentment that comes with being Christ-like. Our hymn of decision today is hymn number 326. If you have not chosen to be united with the Lord as a Christian, we invite you. I I want to talk with you today about what that would look like. Um, If you are a Christian, but you're not united with this church in membership, I know membership isn't biblical, but it's a really nice tool. Frankly, pews aren't biblical, but I like having them. Membership is a nice tool. If you'd like to talk about church membership, again, I would like to talk with you about that. Thank you for listening. You can contact us at our website, firstchurchofchristelkins.com, where you can also find out more. Have a nice week.